these two pieces of information helped us guide the development of our just-in-time training. Hello, I'm Rachel Deere, host of today's program, COVID-19, Keeping Up with a Moving Target. This is the August 14th update of DKB Med Radio's Coronavirus Educational Series. Thank you for joining us. We've recently switched platforms from YouTube to On24 to provide our learners with a more interactive platform. For an optimal viewing experience, we recommend expanding your browser window while viewing this presentation. You can expand the media player, which the video plays from, or the slides window to suit your preferences. Please note, polling questions will appear in the slides window. Polling questions will appear shortly as well as at the end. Please click the box that corresponds to your answer choice and click the submit button. This activity is jointly provided by the Postgraduate Institute for Medicine, DKB Med, and the Institute for Johns Hopkins Nursing. Today's program is accredited for ANCC and AAPA credit, as well as AMA PRA Category 1 credits. Please visit our website for complete CE information. To attest for credit, please visit covid19.dkbmed.com. There, you will also find all of our previous COVID-19 programs and have access to other free CE programs on a wide range of topics. The slides for today's webinar can be found in the resource list window and as a green icon in the bottom menu. Today's learning objectives are, describe the needs assessment used to determine the knowledge base of the progressive care unit staff and their comfort with ICU skills. Identify nurses' clinical skills requirements necessary to care for critically ill COVID-19 patients and describe the education, training, and support needed for progressive care unit nurses to successfully manage the ICU surge capacity requirements. This activity is supported by an educational grant from Pfizer Incorporated and in-kind by DKB Med. All activity content and materials have been developed solely by the activity directors, planning committee members, and faculty presenters. With us today, we have Carrie Outen, a clinical nurse specialist, and Sheila Miranda, a nurse educator from Johns Hopkins Hospital, who will be discussing upskilling nurses. Carrie and Sheila, thanks for your time. Good to be here. Thank you. So as the ICU patient volume increased during the COVID-19 pandemic, we were forced to convert our intermediate care unit to COVID-19 ICU biomode. If you're not familiar with the term biomode here at Hopkins, we use that term to describe a full negative pressure unit. To give you a little bit of background, our IMC staff here in the progressive care unit are already used to high acuity patient population. They already take care of mechanically ventilated patients, stable mechanically ventilated patients, high flow nasal cannula. They're also used to titration of certain vasoactive medications. Therefore, when we determined to convert the unit, we knew that not all of the ICU practices were going to be brand new to them. Initially, to provide support to our IMC staff, we mobilized ICU staff and that included staff from our different ICUs, also CRNAs and some nurse practitioners as well. 
the idea was for our staff to be partner with ICU nurses to care for COVID-19 ICU patients. At the same time, we wanted for the ICU staff to provide support to our IMC staff with the new skills or the skills that they were not as familiar with. In order to facilitate collaboration between the ICU and IMC staff, we trialed a couple of alter staffing patterns that we called team nursing. For instance, we partnered one ICU nurse with one IMC nurse to care for three ICU patients. We also trialed partnering one ICU nurse with one IMC nurse to care for two ICU patients. And then later on, we trialed partnering one ICU nurse with two IMC nurses. And each of those IMC nurses were caring for two ICU level patients. We also developed just-in-time training resources, and this was definitely a team effort uh, that was in, col uh, in collaboration with other nurse educators and other clinical nurse specialists. Uh, we realized that because of social distancing recommendations and increased staffing needs at the unit level, we could not provide in-person training. So what we did is we developed fast facts, we developed some videos, and we also made videos from organizations like AACN available for our staff to easily access. We did a competency gap assessment. So while this was happening, we were deploying ICU staff to our IMC unit. At the same time, we did a competency gap assessment to determine the area where our IMC staff were going to need the most training or development. We started by comparing the new higher orientation ICU skills list against the IMC skills list. And we also used a clinical guidance document for the care of critically ill COVID-19 patients that was developed by some of our pulmonologists and other prescribers here at Johns Hopkins. These two pieces of information helped us guide the development of our just-in-time training and also helped guide the training or the support that the ICU nurses were providing at the unit level. For instance, initially, Carrie was providing staff some training on arts management, traditional arts management. And then once the clinical guidance document came out, we realized that it was a, a bit of a modified arts treatment because these patients were needing higher peak pressures uh, with their mechanical ventilation. So that's how that document helped guide our training. So about a month post our conversion to the COVID-19 ICU, our IMC staff were surveyed to find out how they were doing with specific areas, skills that they weren't feeling comfortable with. Not surprisingly, the skills that were part of their current practice as an IMC nurse were the skills that they reported feeling most comfortable with. And those are the ones on the right of this chart. The new ICU skills, such as the ones on the left, were the ones that they reported feeling the least comfortable performing. Um, we used this information to focus our additional training support so after seven weeks of being in full bio mode, and once we felt that we had worked out the workflows and figured those out, with the support and input from our nurse manager, we determined it was feasible to actually schedule in-person formalized training. 
And just before we performed this training, we surveyed our staff again to make sure that the topics that we were planning on covering were still areas that they identified that they needed help with. You can see that as the IMC staff worked alongside the ICU staff and continued to care for this ICU population, that they began to see some increase in comfort and confidence with these ICU skills. There were a few exceptions for increased discomfort with vent alarms and settings, but we believe this is due in part to the different ventilator settings that were trialed in this patient population and also increased patient acuity. As stated, our IMC staff were used to caring for stable, mechanically ventilated patients. So not all vent settings were new for them, just the new settings like pressure control that we had trialed on our patients. The survey response rate the second time around was higher at 84% versus 56% for the first survey. So that could have been a difference between the two as well. And then also we noticed that when we were doing the training, that some of the staff initially felt confident with skills. However, once they received the training, they identified that there was some things that they thought they knew, but they didn't actually know. So that could explain why some of those skills, their confidence level decreased. So as far as the formalized training, all the IMC nurses that were working on our unit in the middle of May were scheduled for one class. And it was a four hour class taught by Sheila and myself. We put together topics to discuss based on what they felt that they weren't comfortable with with the first two surveys. All but one of our nurses were able to attend, so we had a 98% attendance. Topics that were covered were proning positioning, the initiation titration and bolus administration of paralytic and sedative pharmacologic therapies, emergent and planned intubation and extubation practices and CRRT management. In addition to this formal training, we set up a preceptorship for our nurses. So initially our ICU staff were coming from all areas. So the IMC nurses were getting different training from different preceptors. Um, and there was no consistent training or consistent preceptorship. So we worked with our medical ICU to get a core group of their preceptors to come down and work with our IMC nurses. In addition, we sent a group of our IMC nurses to the medical ICU to work with a group of their preceptors up there. The goal for this preceptorship was for our IMC nurses to get a minimum of nine to 10 shifts with a consistent preceptor. And then we would assess their competency progression and determine whether they were able to safely transition from IMC to ICU practitioners to care for this ICU level COVID-19 patient population only. The areas where the IMC nurses demonstrated competency were clinical practice, safety, communication, and quality improvement. We performed an evaluation after the training session to see what the staff felt most helpful. And the response to the skills workshop evaluation were very positive. The staff reported to have benefited the most from hands-on training with an ICU preceptor, which is what we expected them to say. The nurse manager met with the ICU and IMC staff to elicit feedback on the various staffing patterns that we were trialing. And I, as the clinical nurse specialist, elicited feedback from the ICU preceptors on how the IMC staff were performing throughout each person's orientation process. Both the preceptors and the IMC staff reported that team nursing that worked the best for upskilling and training was the one ICU nurse to one IMC nurse working with two ICU patients. 
Um, the one that worked the least was the one ICU nurse to one INC nurse caring for a total of three patients. We believe that this one didn't work very well because it was done at the beginning of the pandemic when the influx of patients was high and also the acuity was high and there wasn't a lot of time for teaching. The group also reported that once the IMC nurse felt more comfortable and independent with some of the ICU skills, they felt the most comfortable with the one ICU nurse to two IMC nurses with each IMC nurse caring for two patients. So the ICU nurse was ultimately responsible for four patients. So this chart here shows the difference between the nurse survey before and after this formalized training. After training, staff were able to report that they were more confident in all of the new ICU skills assessed during the survey, and even more confidence with some of the previously known IMC skills, like interpreting ABGs, arterial line management, and high flow nasal cannula. The most pronounced changes were noted in the topics that we covered heavily in our training session, so the administration of paralytic and sedative pharmacologic therapies, prone positioning, hemodynamic instability and vasopressor management, and ventilator alarm management. Unfortunately, there was no change in CRRT because the majority of our training classes actually didn't cover CRRT. Yes, so unfortunately our trainer got injured after the first session. We're happy to report she's doing well but therefore the CRT training was not provided for four sessions. So we have deferred that training for later right now. So as you can see here, this graph shows that over time, as the staff have continued to practice ICU level care or under the guidance of an ICU preceptor, and after formal training, their confidence level has increased. We believe that this in turn has increased their competency and ability to provide safe ICU care independently. And they now utilize their resources as they need. Thanks, Carrie, and thank you, Sheila. We'll move on to our Q&A segment. Sheila, if you wanna take it away with the first question. Thank you, Rachel. Carrie, the first question we have is, what are some of the biggest challenges progressive care unit nurses or RNs have reported during the upskilling process? So I would say the inconsistent information provided to them by each of their preceptors. So as we discussed a little bit, we had nurses from all over the hospital that were ICU trained coming to our unit to train our IMC nurses and help us. We had a total of like over 200 different people come so the nurses uh, received different information from different people about how to perform the same skills different ways or different standards based on where the nurse that was teaching them came from. So during our formalized training, we had to reinforce the standards that we expect them to perform. Since we were an extension of the medical ICU, we used the standards of care from the medical ICU to guide what we were teaching our staff. So we wanted to try and make sure that all of our staff were providing the same level of care, the same standards that the patients uh, would receive if they were in the medical ICU. Okay, then we have a second question. Would the nurses be able to maintain ICU level competency once the COVID-19 pandemic passes? So we have not made any final plans for what our unit will look like post COVID. Um, however, during the duration of the pandemic, we plan to continue our current process of upskilling our staff 
and we hope to maintain a skill mix of both experienced ICU nurses and our newly trained ICU nurses on the unit. Um, and we hope to continue to send our staff to the medical ICU to maintain their ICU competency and further their ICU training um, through the exposure to the non-COVID ICU population. Thank you so much, Carrie and Sheila. As a reminder to claim credit, please complete the evaluation at covid19.dkbmed.com and select today's activity. You will receive your certificate immediately after. Any questions or issues, feel free to email us at the address listed. To submit questions, please send them to qa at dkbmed.com. That's Q's in question, A's in answer at dkbmed.com. Don't forget to access our resource center at covid19.dkbmed.com. You'll find a range of information, including the latest COVID-19 data and statistics, medical society guidelines, and resources in Spanish. Again, thanks for joining us, and thank you for your dedication to your patients with COVID-19. Sheila, Carrie, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us.